Sophia, and welcome to the Well and Worthy podcast. This podcast is a journey where we will discuss all things mind, body, and soul, and learn how to take care of ourselves in a loving and genuine way. I'm so happy you're here as we dive into what wellness looks like on an individual level, and as we learn how to show up as our authentic and our highest selves. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, This week, I am actually hysterically laughing at myself right now because there might be like a slight din in the background. I apologize for any little audio blips that might happen. I'm currently recording this episode in my car connected to Coffee House Wi-Fi right now um, because I cannot access my house And when I say I cannot access my house, what I mean is that living with my parents is a really, really tricky gig because whenever I try to to get stuff done over there, it can be a little loud. Just, you know, siblings, vacuum cleaners, dogs, etc., doorbells. It is a very difficult place to record. Um, And I did not think it would be until I have attempted it many times. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go record in my car. That this is what's happening. I'm fully committing to this. So I want you all to know how committed I am. I look like some kind of secret agent sitting outside of a coffee house connected to like tons of wires and gadgets and a microphone. And if I, I, I just made eye contact with a guy walking by and he was like, what the fuck? I'm sure he didn't really care, but it looks like I have a full-blown recording studio in my 2008 Avalon right now. So this is how badly I want to talk about people pleasing today, guys. This is how passionate I am about this topic. So This topic this week is actually, I'm going to be breaking it up into two different parts um, because people-pleasing has a lot to unpack. This is not a, this is not a one episode, quick one and done type of thing. Um, So I wanted to break it up. And this first part that we're going to be talking about today is really important. um, Then I know the second part will have the meat of how to break people-pleasing habits, but the first part is super important in understanding what causes these people-pleasing habits because in order to break a habit, you have to really understand it first. So welcome to part one. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I am I am doing well. I am balancing my microphone in my hand in my 2008 Avalon right now outside of Tribe's Coffee House. Um, so it's very, it's a little bit chaotic, but I just really wanted to get this episode out to you guys. So let's go ahead and dive in. Today, I am calling all people who identify as people pleasers, all people who have people pleasing tendencies in their lives. And, you know, whether or not you identify as a people pleaser, you will you will know if you have these tendencies by the end of this episode. Um, it can be really hard to differentiate people pleasing from being nice or being conflict avoidant in certain moments out of, say, like self-care, like, oh, I just I don't want to fight with them because I, they don't deserve my energy, you know? Sometimes it's really hard to differentiate between people-pleasing tendencies and those different tendencies, but I didn't label myself as a people-pleaser for a very long time because I just figured I was generally being a nice person or someone who's, you know, being empathetic and being generous and et cetera. If you're not sure, Psych2Go identifies the key signs of being a people-pleaser, and I looked them up for you guys. So if you relate to any of these, this is probably you. You maybe tend to over-apologize, being that you say sorry too often for things you might not even be sorry for. You also might struggle to say no or over-justify whenever you have to say no. You agree with everything you hear. You're scared to disagree with people. You're quick to change for others. And you're also super uncomfortable with any form of conflict. Um, 
Other big ones are you take responsibility for other people's feelings. Maybe you seek validation or you have a really hard time speaking up about your feelings in a situation. So if you identify with any of these, you probably have been a people pleaser before or are a people pleaser. And a lot of the time people end up being people pleasers because we're taught, you know, that it's more important to put others' needs first and value everyone around us and be helpful and be kind and be generous. And we're really taught this from a young age, right? And these are all really, really good traits. They're really important traits. They make us kind people. This is what makes the world a better place is to be generous and to be empathetic and giving and concerned for others. But sometimes it can really be overemphasized to the point where we slowly aren't taught how to maintain any type of boundaries or to the point where we even equate our self-worth with how much we're able to give and how much we're able to please. And obviously, you know, the severity of this changes depending on the person and depending on the type of person that you are. I'm an Enneagram type two. If you haven't heard of the Enneagram personality test, it has a lot of like different numbers that you might fall into that help you understand a lot about yourself and about your personality. And a lot of the time, like I took it, I am the same personality test or personality type and number as my mom and also as my grandma. And so, you know, it's interesting to see like how patterns will repeat themselves in the way that you're raised. Um, But, you know, type twos tend to become people pleasers a lot more easily. But I just want to really clarify before we fully jump into the meat of this episode, a couple of things. First off, I want to clarify that every single time I'm talking about a people pleaser in this episode or the next one, I'm not doing so in a way where I'm talking about being generous or kind or empathetic. I am using the word people pleasers with a negative connotation only. So, you know, this this will never be me talking about caring for other people's feelings or accounting for others um, or how others might feel in a situation. I am specifically talking about the negative side of people pleasing and giving to the point that it becomes unhealthy um, because that is what people pleasing is. People-pleasing is not a good thing. People-pleasing is toxic and it's bad. It's the negative side and the going too far with the giving and the being empathetic. So I just want to clarify that in terms of my phrasing. And I also just want to put a little trigger warning for anyone listening. Um, We're going to be talking a lot about, you know, your environment growing up, a lot of family trauma. We're going to be talking about some forms of abuse and whatnot. And so I just want everybody to be prepared before we jump in so that you're in that headspace And so that you're comfortable with that, Um, just in case this episode might not be for you if you're not ready to hear that. But it is really important to, you know, unpack these elements to help understand yourself a lot more because that is what healing is about. So now let's jump in, shall we? A people pleaser, you know, is typically someone who is in the end and ultimately so concerned with the needs of others that they begin to slowly forget their own needs. They put such an emphasis on being what they perceive as nice or what others perceive as nice that they can lose their personality and they lose their boundaries and basically become whoever you want them to be right mirrorball by taylor swift if you know the song (laughs) says it best what would it be without a taylor swift quote um but she says i want you to know i'm a mirrorball i can change everything about me to fit in i will show you every version of yourself tonight if you know the song it's just about reflecting what other people want to see you know and reflecting other people's needs. And the reason being a people pleaser is so toxic is because your only goal is to make other people happy at the expense of your own identity and at the expense of yourself as a person. You don't even become a person anymore. You're simply, as Taylor Swift puts it, a reflection of what people want to see. And 
suffocating yourself trying to make everybody happy. And after many years of doing this myself, that that is a that is why I'm so passionate about this topic. I have come to many conclusions. One of them being that you simply cannot make everybody in the world happy. It is impossible to do and it will drive you crazy and you will have an identity crisis. I promise. <laughs> um, but does people pleasing kind of sound like something you do? Because I've been on a mission myself to break my people-pleasing habits and to recreate myself as a person who is able to stand firmly in her boundaries, you know, to, you know, see when I need to say no and generally be able to express my opinion or express when my feelings are hurt without such a deep concern about other people being mad at me or not viewing me as quote-unquote nice. So I really took a long, hard look at it and I was curious, you know, before jumping into fixing these, I had to look at how these habits are even formed in the first place. Um, because I've been reading the book, The Mountain Is You, and it's such a good book by Brianna West. I highly recommend it, like journal through it. This book is amazing, guys. But she talks about how you can't just break habits. You have to understand them first. To break the habit of being a people pleaser, you first have to figure out why you participate in those kinds of habits. Because there is no such thing as a bad habit. Every bad habit that you have, including people-pleasing tendencies, stems from the need to fulfill something else, stems from trying to fill a certain gap in your life, stems from trying to fill that in. And that goes with every negative habit in your life. But, you know, for a lot of people who identify as people-pleasers, these habits stem from something that is very ingrained and something that traces back to even your childhood. And I want you to know all the information I'm about to share stuff that I have learned in psychology and stuff that I have thoroughly researched. I'm not pulling this out of my ass. I just want you to know um, this is all very much based in psychology and um, childhood psychology and development. So it really, if you can think long and hard back to what kind of home you grew up in, sometimes your people-pleasing tendencies can be really related to your parents or your caregivers and whether or not you had to walk on eggshells around them and felt as though you were responsible for other people's emotions. And, you know, really take some time to analyze this. My favorite thing is grabbing a journal, of course, but, you know, if you identify as a people pleaser, where did you grow up? Did you ever feel responsible for other people's emotions? And most, most of all, did you ever operate under the illusion that you had the ability to control other people's emotions with your behaviors? And, you know, that's a big one for sure. When you're operating for a long time under the belief that you can directly control someone's emotional responses with your actions, then you begin, you know, operating that way in the world, even once you're grown up and much later. For example, if you grew up with a parent or both parents um, where they say, you know, would, would blow up randomly or have random outbursts of anger, or if you experienced abuse of any kind, whether this be, you know, physical, verbal, emotional, whatever, maybe this turned into, say, when the parent came home from work, you maybe started to do things on your end thinking you could prevent those angry blow-ups because that is human nature. You'd be like, well, I don't want mom or dad to blow up. Um, you'd clean the dishes or whatever in order to try to control and regulate their emotions. You, And according to Psych2Go, people-pleasing tendencies can come from this type of quote-unquote like ticking time bomb situation where you felt like you were walking through a minefield and wanted to prevent a parent or caregiver from quote-unquote blowing up. Um it can also stem from many different childhood situations, right? So a lot of these situations, wherever you feel, uns where you had unstable childhoods, in an effort to feel stable, in an effort to control that environment and control people's emotions, especially in your family, um, it results in these kind of tendencies that you pick up on and that you carry into your adult life. Um, with 
you know, a lot of a lot of families, and I'm this is speaking from my own experience. Some families have a lot of generational trauma issues, specifically in my experience with Hispanic heritage, that, you know, we have very strong family values in my family. And this can end up sometimes, if you're not careful, kind of backfiring and becoming an environment where, you know, turning someone down because you have a need makes everyone call you selfish. So you instantly assume anytime you have a need, it doesn't matter as much as the next person's needs. And this varies from family to family. But this belief can definitely be integrated into the family dynamic a lot. And I think a big reason for this also relates directly to a lot of the religious teachings that we grow up hearing. And I know not everyone is Christian, but it it goes between lots of different, I feel like a lot of different religions share this teaching, but specifically Christianity, which is definitely prominent where I grew up, is prominent in a lot of America. Um, and, you know, we grow up hearing all of these things, all of this, you know, be selfless and give up everything you own, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these, like I have said, are very important values and things that are necessary to keep kids or to teach kids in order to keep a big hearted, loving world. But I just think in a lot of families, this has kind of turned into a disregard for personal boundaries. It can turn into a disregard for personal recharge time and personal needs. And of course, it differs from family to family, but a lot of childhood trauma or family teachings can be and are often most mostly what results in these people-pleasing tendencies in young adults and adults. But, you know, in the end, it's often a combination of what we were taught. Or if it stems from something traumatic, it can be something you learned to attempt to people-please in an effort to control your environment. But the big thing for people-pleasers and this is the big reason that most people pick it up, is the element of control. You know, people-pleasing, doing people-pleasing, you're actually attempting to control your environment and the people around you. And what's really important to remember with this is it is a complete false sense of control. This is not obviously something that allows you to control other people's emotions. It's something you picked up on as a kid in an effort to survive or in an effort to feel calmer in an environment that maybe wasn't as calm or where you didn't feel calm within your body or your mind. And, in, you know, in today's episode, our emphasis is going to be on understanding why we people please and breaking down where that comes from. And during these two episodes, I want to touch on, not touch on, dive into the two huge reasons why we people please and how to break them. So in this first episode, breaking down this process, you know, it's quite the process depending on how deep you are in the people pleasing hole. Um, But we're going to break down what people pleasers are trying to control, why it's a false sense of control, and how to actively break these tendencies in our own lives. So today we're going to talk about the first thing that a people pleaser is trying to control. And like we said, that is their environment and the other people's emotions around them. And this can vary depending on the person. But again, if you grew up with any level of trauma in your household, be it an unstable parent, emotionally or verbally or physically abusive parent or anything like that, unstable environment, if you grew up in the foster care system, you learn from a very young age that, you know, your caregiver blows up at certain things or bad outcomes happen that can hurt or harm you. And you try to do everything in your control to prevent this type of outcome, like we talked about at the beginning, like doing the dishes or dressing in a certain way or whatever it may be in an attempt to control your environment. And then especially in an attempt to control the emotions of your caregiver or the other people in your house. 
And again, this doesn't always stem from family dynamic, but most often, based on child psychology, it does and can. So if this might be the root of your people-pleasing tendencies, you have to ask yourself, are you still nowadays, now in the present day, are you still trying to control the people around you subconsciously or not? Are you trying to control their reactions? Because I'm going to have, I'm going to be a little bit harsh today. I have a major reality check for you and it's, it's pretty harsh. Your actions don't have the power that you think that they do. <laughs> your actions are not as effective as you think so. Life is not a controlled experiment because the people around you, no matter what you do, no matter how you talk or what you say or whatever to try to prevent them from getting upset, um, no matter how hard you constantly try, the people around you can still blow up. Just like when you were little, the parent can still blow up, the caregiver can still get angry and lash out or abuse, and the people today in your life, if you're people-pleasing and trying to keep everybody happy, and I'm, I'm talking like the little things, like trying to keep your friends happy, your roommate happy, with every little thing, whatever, um, in an attempt to maybe not lose people or whatever, you want to say the right thing to not upset your boyfriend or you want to be friends with the cool girls so you know you're trying to fit in and say exactly what they want to hear all of these are examples of trying to people please and say the right thing and do the right thing in order to keep other people happy and in order essentially at the base of it to control their actions and reactions so ask yourself if you are still trying to do this to this day and you know examples realizing that you're still trying to do this to this day some some telltale signs might be you get really, really anxious about other people's responses. When someone's mad at you, you're more anxious about the fact that they're mad at you than maybe the fact that you're also mad at them, you know, or maybe you just aren't paying enough attention to the way that you're feeling and you're so concerned at how someone else will react. Whoever this might be, it doesn't matter. The situation changes. But these are examples of how it can implement into your day-to-day. And the thing is, this is exhausting. This is a process that cannot be maintained. And I want to emphasize that there's a key difference between doing something that actively hurts someone else, like saying something mean or punching them or bullying them or being insensitive to their feelings, that kind of thing. There's a difference between being actively mean to someone versus thinking that you are the master switch. And what I mean by this is that You don't get to control someone else's emotions as much as you might want to or as much as you might have been programmed to try to. In the end, you don't control their emotions. They do. You are not the master switch. You do not hold the red button that makes them blow up. They do. So no matter what you do in the end, their reaction and their actions are up to them. It is pointless trying to control someone else's reactions all the time because in the end, even if you were to do everything right, they could still leave you and they could still be awful to you. And it's also not even in your power to control their emotions. You can try to elicit a certain response from them, but it doesn't always work. And that is an exhausting practice. It will leave you drained and let down over and over again when people don't react the way that you want them to. As much as you may want to try, you don't possess the power to be someone else's big red button. No matter how much you've been trying to do this since childhood, no matter what, It is learning that you are not the master switch and that each person gets to control their own emotions and their own reactions and it's stupid to live your life trying to calculate how to get a certain reaction out of someone. You will get exhausted and you will get disappointed and quite frankly, the harshest part of all this is that you need to stop giving yourself so much credit. You know, your actions don't control as much as you think they do in terms of how other people react. 
you could be doing everything right and everything to keep a person happy and they could still be a total dick to you because they've had a bad day or because they're feeling insecure or whatever. So stop giving yourself so much credit for how much you can control stuff because it is not necessarily true. You have to walk through this world being a nice and genuine and kind person because that is the only way to live and the only way to find happiness. But you just need to be so careful that it is genuine kindness rather than this kind of calculating game where you're constantly feeling as though you need to be walking on eggshells around everyone in your life. You do not. It is not your job to be eliciting a certain reaction from them because most of the time it won't work. And I know that the times it has worked are the reason that you continue with people-pleasing tendencies. Like saying like, oh, well, usually when I'm nice, you know, people are nice back. And when that has worked, that confirms that, you know, that's confirmation bias in your brain that's saying, yes, okay, this has worked before. If I'm really, really nice, most people will be nice to me. But the thing is, that does not always work. And you will be disappointed time and time again from realizing that you don't get to control people's reactions to you. The only thing you get to control is what you put out there and how they react is going to be up to them. It is not your job to calculate it based off of that. That is backwards and it's going to leave you exhausted and drained. And so stop giving yourself so much credit for how much you can control and also don't let other people give you so much credit. You know, there's a fine line between being mean and someone reacting to being mean versus the manipulative and abusive side of becoming someone's punching bag and getting blamed for their emotions and things that aren't your fault. Keep an eye out for this because, you know, if you've suffered from people-pleasing tendencies, you might have let yourself at some point or another become a punching bag or a doormat in an attempt just to keep someone else, quote-unquote, happy. But realistically, you aren't helping them. You're just letting them hurt you. You want so badly to help other people. You want so badly to make other people like you that you think that just letting someone do whatever they want to you is the right thing to do. It's being nice. It's helping them. But a lot of the time people are just having a hard day. People are just being mean. And, you know, what they're doing to you is just hurting you in the end. That is where abuse comes in. It is wanting the best for someone, but not realizing, you know, am I a doormat or a punching bag right now? Or am I actually helping them? Because there is a fine line there. And I think, you know, ultimate takeaway from this episode, if you're people pleasing, is a subconscious attempt to control your environment or the people around you, you need to realize that you really cannot control it. It is a false sense of control. People will do what they want regardless of your actions, and you do not hold the master switch to control how people respond to you. Believe me, I have experienced this firsthand. You can be super, super nice to someone and still become the recipient of all of their anger. You need to be your own advocate and realize that you cannot control the people around you nor is that your responsibility to control the people around you. It is only theirs. You also need to take a step back and ask yourself why you even want to control the people around you. You know, you should put yourself in an environment where you feel safe, where you don't feel judged, where you don't fear the reaction from people you're surrounded by. This is something that is instinctual. It is something that has been taught to you since childhood that you, you know, it's this subconscious belief that you can't control the people around you, that you don't have the power to walk away, so you need to do whatever whatever is in your power to try to control those people and make them react the right way because you don't want to be blown up at and you don't want to be left and you don't want to... This is a childhood belief, so, you know, get your inner child, hug them and tell them it's fine, you're safe, you're grown up now, and if you're around people who make you feel unsafe or make you feel like you're walking on eggshells, you're allowed to walk away. 
you know, you're not in that home where you're dependent on that parent anymore. You are allowed to get up and you are allowed to leave. Simple as that. And that is one of the blessings that will let you step out of these people-pleasing tendencies. And, you know, the other one being that you don't have to worry about controlling other people's reactions because the right people will make you feel safe. And you understand that it is not your job to try to constantly guess how people are going to react to you. Rather, it's just your job to put yourself authentically out there, authentically out there with people who make you feel authentically safe. And you will find a space where you are able to break those people-pleasing tendencies. And how do we break those? I will jump into that in part two um, next week's episode that will come out on Tuesday. Um, I will be actually recording it today, um, but releasing it on Tuesday because I'll be traveling to Texas. So I won't have a place to record, but I'm going to try to do that when I leave town or before I leave town to get that all out to you guys. I hope you enjoyed today. I know it feels like a bit of a cliffhanger. It's like, okay, yeah, Sophia, there's so much left unsaid there. Like, yeah, I agree with that point, but there's so much more to add. I know that's why I want to do another, another part. I didn't want to squeeze it all into one episode. I wanted to spread it out. So sending all of my love to you guys. I know that if you have gone through people pleasing stuff in the past or you're still working through it now, it is very, very hard. It is a wound from when you were little. It is a wound, some often from families, from friends, whatever that you have picked up on that you have the power now and the safe place now to work through it. So please just know you are a warrior. You are awesome. You are doing the steps that you need to be doing to um, get over these kinds of hurts and to allow yourself to live in an authentic place. So I love you all. Happy August. um, And I will see you next week. Sending love. Ciao for now. Bye. See you next week, my loves. And remember that you're already enough just as you are.